Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best lives and advice on how you can achieve that too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man. Hello, everybody. My name's Ray Lowe. I'm going to be your host for today on Changing the Rules. And uh, for most of you who have been listening to us for a while, you know that Changing the Rules is about the luckiest people in the world. And the luckiest people in the world are people who take control over their lives. They live them under their own terms. They don't let rules get in the way. So they kind of push them a little bit and uh, they make sure that they enjoy their lives and they take control of them. You know, I think it was uh, the the Apple guy, uh, Steve Jobs, a while ago who said, you know, when you live your life under somebody else's rules, you're not living your own life. And we have two people with us today. Uh, actually, we have one and a half people with us today. So we have Peter and Joyce DeVarger. And Peter is entirely here. He has his voice. And Joyce came in later anyway, who doesn't have a full voice today. She's going to make comments and keep Peter straight. So uh, Peter and Joyce are a couple of people that I happen to meet where I live at this wonderful place called Willow Valley. Uh, we had dinner together one night. We started talking about travels, and all of a sudden, we couldn't end the conversation. It just went on and on and on and on. And I think you're going to see uh, some interesting viewpoints today. Now, last comment before I let uh, Peter go full force here is that uh, the luckiest people in the world seem to like to travel. It seems to be a big part of what they do. But sometimes they don't take the time to think through some of the reasons why you have to schedule travel in certain ways in your life. For example, I used to think when I traveled that it was all about time and money. You either had time or you had money, and rarely did you have the two at the same time. And as life went on, I found out there's a third element in here. It's money, time, and this concept of aging and health that comes in that really affects what you can do and what you can't do and why you need to set priorities in your travel system. So we're going to run a couple of programs over the next several weeks. Uh, but we have Joyce and Peter here today. And uh, uh, say hi, Peter. Good morning, everyone. And and get in a hi there, Joyce. Hello there. Oh, wow, that was good. You sound you sound really good here. Okay, well, Joyce, I'm going to direct this primarily at Peter, at, but as I know, feel free to interrupt as you feel the necessity to do that. So, where did you guys come from? Before you're you're now in a uh, continuing care community where you're retired and free to do whatever you want. But uh, uh, Peter, what did you do before, and where did you come from? Uh, this is a second marriage for the both of us. Uh, we grew up in very different locales. I was born in upstate New York. Lived most of my growing up time in Massachusetts. After I was married to my first wife, uh, I have a degree in civil engineering, and I was working for various government agencies and consulting engineers. After I got divorced and met Joyce, we 
moved originally to Marlton, New Jersey, where I was working. And then when we both retired, we moved to Pennsylvania for tax reasons mostly and into a 55-plus community in Coatesville before we moved here a year and a half ago. Cool. And and Joyce, can you get into a couple words of uh, where you lived? I grew up in southern New Jersey in Gloucester County and uh, spent most all of my growing up years there. Came to the Philadelphia area for nursing school and met a guy when I was there and never went back to New Jersey. Spent all of my adult life in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, until I met this guy. <laughs> okay. And then you just took off and you saw the world, right? So my understanding is that the two of you have compartmentalized a little bit of this. You, you've, you've been throughout the world, but you've spent a good percentage of your time in the USA and you've done some unique things. So let's let's talk real quickly. Uh, Peter, where have you been in the world? Just give us a quick overview. Uh, in the world, I have been to f- five continents. The Army, bless its heart, sent me to Korea back during the Vietnam era, for which I was very grateful. After my first wife and I didn't travel much. After Joyce and I got together, we have since been to, to Africa on an East uh, on a safari in East Africa, Kenya and Tanzania. We've been to South America on a road Scholar trip to the Galapagos Islands and Machu Picchu. We did about 10 years of RV travel around the United States and Canada. Okay. And Joyce, what was your experience in world travel before you started to see the USA? My first husband was um, involved in air freight trucking. We had a big connection with the airlines uh, so we could get trips reasonable in spite of the fact that we were young. So we were in Rio in South America and Brazil. We were in Italy. We were in Europe in general a couple of times. So that was really before I met Peter. Yeah. You know, let's, let's take a quick minute and I'll try not to strain your voice too much here, Joyce, but you made a comment when we were kind of talking before we turned the mics on here about the fact that you've done winter travel. You had a mother that didn't particularly think you were doing the right thing. My first husband's business was 24 seven, very stressful. We decided probably when we were about 30, maybe 32 years old, that we needed some time alone. So we just started taking winter trips down to the Caribbean or whatever, just a time for us. We had three little kids. My mother would come and babysit willingly, but with a word of, I can't believe you're leaving these kids. People wait till they retire for this kind of travel. Fast forward a few years, my first husband passed away at 47. I turned to my mother and said, well, if we hadn't done those winter trips when we did them, he would never have gotten to do them. And, and you know, this is a really important point. Uh, you know, it's a big, big world out there. And if you want to see it, you got to start early and you got to keep going. And you never know what the barriers are that are going to get in the way. 
Okay, so let's fast forward uh, again to your lives together. And uh, I think one of the things that you told me at dinner the other night was that the USA was a priority. And you did this via RV, and you did some interesting things. So let's start. Describe this RV for us, Peter. We had decided that to do the traveling that we wanted to do, uh, we would get a travel trailer. And after doing some research, we decided that what's known as a fifth wheel was the best fit for us. Fifth wheel is a if you're not aware of that, is the kind that has a hitch in the bed of a pickup truck and um, then drags along behind. So it has it's very efficient as far as space inside the trailer itself goes. Uh, you can detach the truck, of course, when you get to some place and you set up so that you can use the truck to travel around and do shopping and go sightseeing and do whatever you want to visit. Why, while you were at these sites. Yeah, and that's the engineer talking for everybody, okay? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, you had the trailer, and that gave you the freedom to just get out and go, and you didn't have to repack your things every time, right? They were there, and uh, I think you told me you had cats. <laughs> so so yes. tell me about your cats, Joyce. When Peter and I met each other, we each had a cat, so we were a blended family. <laughs> These cats were the best cats because they they got along together, fortunately, um, because they traveled with us the whole time we were there or on the road. And we would just put them in their harnesses, hook them into the back of the truck. They'd walk around and talk to us back there. In the evening, we could take them out of the truck, into the trailer they'd go, and that was home. Our trailer was big enough that it was home. Cool. Okay, so here you are. You're running around the U.S. How many states have the two of you been to? We have visited 46 of the lower 48, and we have done two separate trips into Canada, uh, one to the Maritime Provinces in Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, and one to the Canadian Rockies and the Canadian uh, Midwest Okay, and and uh, so what were the four states that you haven't been to? Alaska's well, one, well, right? Well, Alaska and Hawaii, because they haven't got a road that I could pull the RV to Hawaii on. Uh, we went to Alaska with Joyce's sister and brother-in-law who had an RV, and actually they were one of the ones that kind of nudged us in that direction. We took uh, the cruise up the Inside Passage, and they picked us up, and we spent a couple of weeks in Alaska. But we have not driven there ourselves. Okay. The two states in the lower 48 that we haven't been to yet are Arkansas and Nebraska. And I mentioned that to somebody, and they said, oh, there's nothing in Nebraska to see anyway. I hope I'm not offending too many people out there. <laughs> okay. Now, Joyce is, is pounding Peter on the shoulder over there. So what do you—no comment, Joyce? He corrected it. Okay. All right. So we're sad. Hawaii. <laughs> okay. So one of the things that— uh, we talked about that I thought was really unique was you blended in some volunteering at national and state parks as into your travels. So, so first of all, tell me about the concept of doing that and how easy or how hard it is to do that. And then what were the advantages that you felt you got by doing this stuff? After traveling around for about eight years, 
seven or eight years where we would plan out a trip uh, with multiple stops and we'd stop here and we'd stay three or four or five nights, go on the road, you know, another three or four nights here and there and elsewhere until we got back to where we were going. And having seen almost all of the states, uh, we decided that we wanted to try something different. So we went onto a website called volunteer.gov, for all of you who are interested in this, which lists positions that are available at national parks, Corps of Engineer parks, state parks, even some county parks, with a condition of contract, uh, what the job entails, and also if they provide amenities. The tasks that would be involved in would be things like visit working visitor centers, camp hosting, uh, docents, maintenance people, all kinds of things like that. The condition, uh, the uh, living conditions could be anything from there's nothing here, you got to provide your own, to what we always looked for, which was they would have a site where we could set up our RV with full hookups, that is water, sewer, and electric. And uh, while we were doing our volunteer work, we had a place to live. Yeah, so so what's the advantage of uh, of doing the volunteering? I mean, you're in one place for a relatively long time. Uh, Joyce is nodding her head here, so Joyce, try and try and get it in, okay? Well, what we were looking to do was was two factors. We wanted to fully explore an area, so by working in one of these positions, uh, we worked four days a week. And we had three days off. On our three days off, we were able to explore that area. The other thing, and one of the most important things, is we felt that it was a give back. We had loved the national parks and the state parks. And we felt that this was our way of giving back and helping them to stay solvent so they could stay open for other people. Yeah, cool. And and so, uh, you know, you enjoyed the depth of being there. Now, what about people meeting there, uh, park rangers, uh, people coming in and out, trying to get other people's perspective of, of what things are there? Any other comments about the value of being there? We met some wonderful rangers who are paid staff, of course, and also other volunteers who were like us, were giving back of their time. We had three locations, including a double stop at uh, Cape Lookout National Seashore down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, Uh, one in Acadia National Park in Maine, and one at a place called Fort Caroline outside of Jacksonville, Florida, where, you know, everybody was just so friendly, so helpful. It was just a wonderful experience for us and for the for the others, we learned an awful lot of stuff from the rangers and the naturalists that we would come in contact to. We would assist on uh, nature hikes or whatever that they were doing if 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 we could. We uh, there's a lighthouse at Cape Lookout, and we would serve as guides or assistants to climbing the lighthouse of 217 steps or whatever it was. And, you know, whatever they needed. Yeah. So you really got an in-depth 
opportunity to see a part of the country and meet people and uh and and getting a free hookup isn't a bad deal either right <laughs> that, that was the, that was the trade-off Okay, so they didn't pay us, but they gave us a place to live. Well, uh, you know, whatever, whatever works, right? So, so let's look at your your forty eight states that you've been in here, and and you did sneak into Alaska. Have you been to Hawaii yet? We did a road scholar trip in Hawaii. Okay, so you snuck in there too. Oh yeah. When you look at all of the places that you've been, what's your favorite? Can I give you a list of top ten uh, <laughs> or top five? Give, give me the top two or three, okay? We're, we're, we're going to have to wind this up soon. Okay. One of the most above and beyond what you expected it to be was the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta in October. If you haven't been there, put it on your bucket list. It is just wonderful to see. And what would number two be? And then I'm going to let Joyce talk over here. <laughs> She's chomping at the bit. Yeah, I go. Okay, Joyce, go ahead. There's floating around on the internet right now. There's a a little news post on the 25 most beautiful national parks. So if you see that, probably those 25 are are part of our favorites. But we loved the Rockies. We loved Utah, Bryce, Zion. Of course, everybody knows the Grand Canyon, and that's kind of low on the list. Glacier, the Tetons, gorgeous mountains, just gorgeous and wonderful. I'm a beach person, so I loved Acadia, and I loved uh, Cape Lookout National Seashore. Okay. Uh, Well, you know, so I got an interesting impression, and this is kind of what I'm going to sum up with. We we have a group of uh, people, we call them our luckiest people in the world, and they're ready to go out and travel. And often they start when they're a little younger and they're busy. And and the traditional thing is, well, you hop down to the islands for some R&R. And there certainly is nothing wrong with that. And each island has its character, too. But I think you guys have found a way to get Get some depth into your travel. Let me ask a question about what's changed over the years in the way you travel. Uh, you know, we were all young once. We're older now. Okay. Uh, so what what's what's changed in your priorities in terms of what you plan on doing when you travel and things like that? What has changed? Well, we have sold the RV, so. F- from now on, it's going to be road trips. There are a lot of one-day trips leaving from Willow Valley that are within a day that I would recommend. Okay. Gettysburg, if you're into the Civil War, of course, Gettysburg and Antietam, Sharpsburg battlefields, uh, the Flight 93 Memorial out in Somerset County is Heartwarming, wonderful. The ones in Philadelphia. Okay, so so um, have are there any things? Uh, are you doing any mountain climbing in the next couple of years? I, you know. <laughs> well, one of the one of the things with our increasing age has become uh, scaling back both the distance and the vertical distance that we can travel. When we were. 10 years younger and we were out in Glacier for the first time, we 
would do eight to 10 mile hikes that included 1500 feet of to 2000 feet of vertical elevations. Uh, now we look at it and say, well, if it's more than three miles, it's probably too much. If it's more than 500 feet vertical, it's probably too much. We probably don't want to do that one either. So that's, that's how we have aged. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time. And I want to thank uh, uh, you, Peter, for your uh, expounding comments and Joyce for your your uh, more diminished comments. We're going to do another one of these at some time soon. And, and, and it'll all be about Joyce instead of Peter. <laughs> but... Uh, I think what I want to leave people with is that there are different ways that you can travel. Uh, you know, you can take the cruise ship and you can go in and out of ports in the course of a day. Uh, we're going to bring in some people who have actually done things like walking the Camino in Spain, where it takes days and days and days to get things. Uh, we have this perspective here of traveling by RV and seeing in depth the United States. We have the thinking here of uh, uh, staying at a national park where you can get a little more in-depth relationship building. So there are all these things to think about. And I think what we want to think about particularly is that there are three things that come into play. It's money, time, and this concept of aging. And don't diminish the aging thing. There are things that we can't do today that we used to do really easily. And if you put them in perspective, they work. Okay, so thanks to uh, Joyce and Peter uh, for being with us today. And uh, Dale, who is our engineer today, will you sign us off, please? Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules. Join us next week for more conversation, our special guest, and to hear more from the luckiest guy in the world. It's going to have to be a different man. Time may change me.